This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails like the ones that you'll find in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the US and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. Ontario. Again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and this family tree 10. Hello everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband, Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this family tree podcast, episode 138. Hello. Hello. I got to say, this is like a lucky number, by the way, 138. Why is that? 138 is one of my favorite songs ever. By whom? The Misfits. Oh. They just say we are 138, like a ton of times. Deep lyrics. Yeah, very. But 138, great number. I'm really excited about this actually for that reason. No other reason because I actually, I feel terrible and this is going on a month now. But before we get into all that, Shane, we have Marissa Mercanti on this episode tonight. We talk about travel with families. So she runs the Daydream Diaries, which is like a blog, Instagram account, TikTok, everything about traveling, traveling as a couple, traveling as a family. And she, she just does it so much that she's got all the tips and tricks. I feel like I know her from something. Does you she know have her brother? brother. You What's know her brother, brother? Marcello. Marcello. Oh. I was in one of his movies like a long time ago. I think, I, does she have more than one brother? Maybe I know her cousin or something. Maybe. I don't know. I know people. That's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> but it was a really fun interview. Uh, so I hope you get a lot from it. She had some really awesome tips that I'm going to be taking with us on our next trip whenever the hell we can get that in. But Shane, in the meantime, cheers, babe. We're doing non-alcoholic cocktail tonight, Seedlip Garden 108 and Tonic. I already drank all of mine. That's why it made a weird made a weird clink. I, I just can't tell a lie. I got a little bit left here. Shane guzzled it before the... Uh, before the pod i'm stressed well it's funny to guzzle a non-alcoholic drink like it's gonna give you kind of a buzz yeah it's it's all the mind you know placebo effect is real non-alcoholic drink it tastes like alcohol which reminds you of it tricks your body it doesn't matter if you're actually drinking alcohol i think do you feel more fake buzz than usual then since you chugged it Less stressed, I would say. First drink, it's hard to get a buzz unless you're like 80 pounds. So Shane, you are stressed because you have a shoot tomorrow. There's so many problems. Like life has so many problems and a shoot is just like life times 10 because you have to fake real life. It's hard enough just to live real life without having everything like have to go a certain way. That's difficult. Just when you can do whatever you want and try to vaguely have things go your way. When things have to go a certain way, it just becomes impossible. Lighting has to be right. The, the, every single prop needs to be accounted for. A keychain, an earring, a, your facial hair. Everything needs to be in line for continuity's sake. And 
Uh, it's when you're running it all <laughs> because this is a, a lower budget than the shoot we're doing tomorrow. And a lot of it is on my shoulders to get the props. It can be stressful because you don't want to forget anything. Well, it's like it's wild. So the shoot is tomorrow. It's been a long weekend and we're getting all the we were running around all weekend getting props. Yes. And in my head, I was like, I'm not going to ask him about this, but I'm like, shouldn't you have a, a prop person? Why is the showrunner, the producer and his wife and his kids doing that? I was I figured it was a budget thing, but. Well, these are we're doing what's called the summer sessions. Mm -hmm. So the summer is when we go a little bit lower budge because we do have a full crew, a location manager, et cetera, in September. But the problem is we wrote so many sketches. There's not enough time in September to shoot them all. So we could either cut the sketches or we could do what we're doing now, which is shoot them independently with our own cameras, no crew. Just me, Jillian, and Bella, who is the main cast of the show, as actors. And that's what we're doing. Well, it's hilarious because you being the prop guy, right? Aside from the showrunner, I like I wish the listeners could see our living room because it is half covered with just the most random props because Shane is shooting a music video tomorrow. And lose like the props are one thing, right? Like taking up the living room. But the harder thing is the fact that we have two young kids who are like seeing skip it's like you guys remember those the skip it's shane has a bright pink skip it in there and it looks like so much fun you've got like all these fun dingle dangles you just reminded me the ankle weights never came i was supposed to have ankle weights come that's no Jeez, good i gotta look that up continue though sorry and i just think that like keeping the kids out of there all weekend has been the hardest thing like i cannot tell you how many times today lucy saw something bright and shiny and fun in there and tried to go after it Oh, yeah. She told me, oh, don't worry. I, I pulled your keychain out. The, the, there's a keychain that's a key part of the sketch. And she's like, but I put it back in the box. She just threw it in the box, just <laughs> random. So it's so stressful. Well, yeah, it's been a stressful weekend, Shane. I got to hand it to you for getting all that done because it's wild. And like you said, you know, life happening and life is stressful as it is. Guys, I am on week four of feeling like total shit. Week four of having a sinus, probably Shane's convinced sinus infection, which I think it is now because it's been so long. It's just like so much pain, so much mucus. I didn't like how do faces even hold this much mucus? It's impossible. And so much pain when I've been down. I've been going through it all. We had COVID last week, the whole family. So we didn't put out a podcast and that was hell. The kids were spiking fevers to 103 once a day. It has been awful. And through that, Shane is running a show. And through that, I'm supposed to be getting inspired to do my summer job, social media, the podcast, TikTok, which I love doing and I have so much fun doing. But it has been so hard to do lately. And I'm sure so many of you can relate to this at some point in your life, whether it's a creative job or not, or something with your family, whatever. When you lack inspiration, when you lack motivation to do anything, and like, yeah, part of it is because I feel like crap and I can barely move, right? Like I'm physically sick. But a part of it is because when you're surrounded by sickness and stress and worry, it's hard to want to find beauty in things. It's hard to want to find fun in things just because everything around you is so doom and gloomy. So I was trying to look online. Shane, I want your take on this. 
because you are somebody who I find always has inspiration or is not that you always have it, but you're never really lacking for it that I can tell anyway. So I looked online. I was like, what can I do for, you know, a lack of inspiration? And it was like a couple mental health websites that came up. So it was things like break tasks into manageable chunks, have some me time, be gentle with yourself, try to be present, ask for help, all these like great whatever things to do. Those things are important, but I need something better than that because I'm already doing those. I've been taking freaking me time and downtime for four weeks because I've been so damn sick. So like Shane, when you are lacking inspiration or motivation, how do you as probably the most intrinsically motivated person I've ever met in my life, like hands down, and I, maybe you don't need motivation because you're intrinsically motivated. I don't know. But tell me, how do you find motivation when you find that you're lacking? It's hard. I don't think you could ever have what I have. Exactly. It's intrinsic, right? <laughs> like, Don't tell me that. Help me out here. All my motivation comes from lack of support in my life. Mm-hmm. So, Or like people not being impressed by me. <laughs> so I'm just trying to make some unknown entity be proud of me. Right. And I think you just, you know, you walk in a room, it's like, Alex, look at you. I love you. I'm imitating your dad. (laughs) And it's just like your parents are just so proud of you and everything. And I'm not saying mine aren't. It's just mine don't present that way. And I feel like, I don't know, I have what's called a chip on your shoulder, I guess. I don't really know the definition of that. But from the way I hear it used, I think that is what I have. And I'm just always trying to prove to people that I'm the best and I've never (laughs) succeeded in that. So I'm always thinking my next project is going to be that one thing that proves I'm the best. What do you think the closest you have come to succeeding has been creatively? Nothing. I don't. Well, I guess I have to pick one thing. I don't know. Jeez. Um, I've never done anything good. I truly haven't. I've never done anything good. I'm not even just saying that. I haven't. No, I'd say that is how a master of his craft would Alex, answer the I'm question. I'm not a master of no, my craft. No, 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 no. I'm just saying somebody that's good at something and that's inherently good at something, that's how they would answer that question because you feel unfulfilled until you have all the accolades. But then it's like even when all the accolades come, you probably still don't feel as if you did a good enough job, your best job. And I could see you as being somebody who's kind of like always chasing the better the better piece of work. I've really never done anything, but what I've done is I've picked up a lot of skills through failure that I feel like I'm applying to this sketch show. Right. And this sketch show will be the closest I've ever come. So, okay, if there's no best thing you've ever done, what do you think is the best failure? Your best failure, the failure in which you've learned the most from. I think doing the thing, I did a thing called Shane's Digital Desserts and it infuriated a lot of people. It almost <laughs> cost me my job. It would make Alex upset. There was one one sketch in particular where I threw my wedding ring in a pool and it was just a lot of people are confused by that co- kind of comedy. And you and I both know now that we do these satirical mm-hmm. videos on TikTok, the comedy gets lost on a lot of people. In some cases, especially when you first start out, you might be it might be lost on 80 to 90% yeah. of the people. So when people saw this video of me throwing my wedding ring in the pool, like your cousin was fooled, like it was my actual persona or something. And it, I'm like not like that at all. So 
I get shocked because I also tend to think people know me. So through doing those skits, I learned a lot about how audiences react to mm-hmm. things, uh, how to kind of build a brand and not not get deterred. It was just the the novelty of that first sketch yeah. threw people off. But that wasn't to say that was a bad character or bad uh, person, like a bad idea that I was doing. And I developed just a lot of skills on uh, stick intuitiveness, doing it yourself, editing yourself. If a camera person wasn't available, I'd shoot it with an iPhone. If I wanted to have three cameras, I would get three um, tripods and just set it up, shoot the whole thing myself, booking guests. Uh, So booking guests for Shane's Digital Dessert really helped when the pandemic hit to book guests for this show. And as many listeners know, we have had some amazing, killer, big guests on the show. Yeah, no, we've had some incredible guests. And I feel like that's also where I'm I'm feeling a little bit of a lack of inspiration. Everybody's busy. It was great during the pandemic because everyone was at home and they were happy to do shows. They were happy to jump on the phone with us, on Zoom with us. And now it's so difficult. And then with me being sick, with you being on the show, I'm like, something's got to freaking give. I just want to feel better so I can get more done in a day and feel productive and then feel good about myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so dang hard but shane digital desserts i think some of them are so funny and yeah that very first one i got so mad i remember you came home from la and i picked you and your buddies up at the airport because you were in coachella for this yeah and uh then i remember somebody was like asking you're talking on the phone with somebody after and they were asking if i was still mad but i came to the airport to show that i wasn't actually mad at you and i had cheeseburgers and mcdonald's and everything for you and all your friends as a peace offering do you Hmm. remember that yeah i don't i don't remember it but thank you for the burgers comedy's hard it's one of the the things that has the highest failure rate yeah Well, Shane, I did a whole live on TikTok today because I was getting so much hate on TikTok over the last 48 hours because some old sketches are getting big out of nowhere, like Mm -hmm. old ones from a couple weeks ago. And I guess maybe they're more controversial ones. But regardless, people aren't getting the joke. And so many people aren't getting the joke. So I was like, crap, another thing that's making me feel uninspired. Like, is this just totally over people's heads? Is it not worth it to go this far or the satirical? So I did a whole live about it. I did some stories on TikTok about it, just about how, hey, like we are not judging parents. We are not judging your parenting style. I could care less about how you parent your kid. And if you notice, you and I don't even mention our parenting styles or our beliefs in the videos. We just comment on the toxic nature of parenting culture and on other judgmental parents. Like we have poked so much fun at different things we do, I think, constantly. Have you ever met a normal person who leaves YouTube comments or comments (laughs) in general online? So you're not hearing from the people who are probably actually enjoying. You're only hearing from the extreme polarization. It's like the extreme left is so annoying. Yeah. And the extreme right is so annoying. Yeah. Most people are somewhat tolerable. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear from them. That's the problem. So you can get this idea of the world that it's like, you know, more annoying than it is. Well, that that makes me feel a little bit better about it. And like, I don't even know why it bothered me because usually it doesn't. I think it was just because it was like an onslaught of comments not understanding the satire at all. Is it because you're on your period? 
Jeez, <laughs> Sorry. that was quite the reaction. Sorry, I had a big cough because I'm still so sick. Um, second time Shane has asked me this this week. And here's the thing. It's like part of me, when you say that, wants to rip your head off and punt it over the mountain that we live on. Like just downtown, punt it right down there, okay? Chill out. But then the other, the other part of me is like, no, it is because I'm on my period. That is why... I'm having a bigger reaction than I normally would. Yes, I might always get like annoyed or something or made emotional by something. But being on my period does uh, make me react way, way bigger than I would otherwise. Mm -hmm. Way bigger. Well, you got me on the tip of anytime you're acting a little funny because you do act different some days Mm -hmm. and then the next day you go oh i just realized i was acting that way because i was on my period so you were telling me that so it emboldened me to when you're acting (laughs) that way because the other day two days ago you were acting very unusual Mm -hmm. and rambling in a frantic worried way like a worried concern it's not like someone's being bitchy you're on there on the period i wasn't saying it in that way it was just you were overreacting over a rash on our kids. And we have very rashy children. <laughs> and you wanted to take them and like tell these like not ER, but the middle ground of ER. And you were like crying as you were talking. And I just said, I think you're on your period. <laughs> and you go, I am. And then you got mad. But the, I'm not saying it, it, trying to be insulting. I'm trying to not scare me because you were being so... It, it would be alarmist if if yeah. you weren't. Look, I think that I hate it and other women won't speak for everybody, but you know, some women might hate it when somebody says that because it feels like it's invalidating because it's like, I'm feeling those things. Like I'm really feeling them. So then for somebody to say, oh, hey, like, are you on your period? Is that why you're acting like this concerned or this worried or this angry? And it's like, yeah, asshole, I am on my period. But it doesn't mean that what I'm feeling isn't worthy of these feelings or of this conversation or whatever it is. So I think that's where the anger stems from that kind of comment. You know what I mean? You started it. (laughs) Well, Shane, with that, I say let's get to the interview with Marissa. But before we get to this interview with Marissa, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs make the best bras that you can get your hands on. I was first introduced to them four years ago now by Shane when I was in desperate need of, you know, a bra that unhooked. And I hated the ones that I had had. And the Bravado Designs bra was just so practical, so comfortable, and just it felt buttery. Like it was amazing. I never looked back. And now that I'm nearing the end of my nursing journey with Betty, it's amazing because they just started an everyday collection. These are bras without clips, same comfort, same gorgeous look on our t-shirt. So if you want to check them out, you can get the nursing bras yourself at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get to the interview with Marissa Mercanti. Marissa, We're here to talk today about family travel. This is your area of expertise. And something I I desperately need help with because I keep making mistakes, the same mistakes. I feel like something a lot of the listeners need help with now that 
things are opening up again. And I must preface this whole interview. You hear construction, there's construction going on at our next door neighbor's place. And it is awful. So that's what the beeping is. Okay. Well, I have construction going on behind me. So we're on the same page. Amazing. So extra story to all the listeners then. Um, But Marissa, you have the Daydream Diaries where you chronicle family travels, solo travels, romantic travels. What, what got you into this? I mean, we all see the appeal of traveling, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I grew up kind of with my, my parents always taking us on trips. And even before we were born, they were very passionate about traveling. Like they spent time in Mexico for six months, like traveling with very little money and making experiences. And so it was something that was ingrained more so in my dad. And then with us being kids, they always took us on trips They did solo trips too by themselves without us. And we had stayed back with family members. Um, So I think that always kind of stayed with me. And I always have so many great memories of us traveling as a family. And then at one point in my twenties, as one does, I went backpacking and it, it like blew my mind. I was just like, oh my God, I feel like I'm a different person. And I was away for five months and I just almost became like, like it just switched something in me where I was like, I will never stop traveling. So that's what really, really like really ignited it. I would say. Absolutely. I, I think anybody that goes traveling has one of those, especially backpacking, right? You get back, you feel like, you know, the world, you feel like, you know, yourself, you come back enlightened and you're still just a 22 year old goober, but it feels amazing. And it does ignite something exciting. I think when you said that you your parents were in Mexico for six months. Was that when you were a kid? Like you were living there for six months or your parents before they had you? No, this was before they had us. So my mom, they actually were married for 10 years before they had us. So they were together for a long time. They had some trouble having kids and ended up having three of us, but they, instead of, you know, they were going through hard times having kids, they just decided to travel and, you know, do things that were very exciting. And yeah. Hell yeah. That's, that's the best. So now obviously you with this passion and obviously the ability to travel, how many times have you taken your kids away? Like, is this something you do regularly? Cause it seems like I do follow your Instagram account. It's wonderful to follow. I'm always looking at it being like, ah, man, like planning my next vacay, but it seems like you're always somewhere. Thank you. Well, I mean, with the kids, obviously we don't do it as often. They have, you know, she, Chloe's in daycare and we have like a schedule here too. So we're not traveling as often as maybe some other people that are online and, and it's, we find it's a nice balance, but yeah, I, we did a count at one point of how many flights Chloe's been on. It, it's been a few, like we, we tried to maximize, you know, as, as many flights as we can before she turned two, we're like, okay, let's try to go somewhere else before we have to pay for a plane ticket. Um, so she's been on quite a few flights. Yeah. What's quite a few. Is this like three? Is this 15? Um, I think it was somewhere like over 15 or something like, yeah, it was, was up there at that point. That's amazing. Chloe, not Gemma. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you have two daughters. Yeah. I have two daughters. Um, my first, my oldest is Chloe. She's three and a half going to be four. And then we have Gemma who just turned seven months. Nice. And of the places yes. that you have gone as a family, where has been the best for a family? Ah, oh, gosh, I don't know. Like it's hard to say because I feel like every place we have found something that works for family travel and we've had a blast and um obviously the further you go the more difficult it seems right like or it becomes with traveling with kids florida overall is just always such a nice easy trip we've been there many times and 
like if anyone's nervous about traveling far with their kids, I always say like, maybe try Florida. It's very, you know, it's a quick two and a half, three hour flight. Um, so that's always been great. A, a surprise kind of family vacation was, um, there was that we found worked really well with our family was going to the French Polynesia, which a lot of people would think is, you know, a honeymoon destination and only meant for couples. And we brought Chloe and we didn't have Gemma yet at the time. And granted it was only one child, but still, still nonetheless, it was a long flight, a long journey, like 18 hours. Oh my God. And we had, we had the best time though. Like the best time. Like doing the traveling part though, like the 18 hours traveling. No, no, that wasn't <laughs> like, I was like, this is so fun. <laughs> It, you know, she's not, she's definitely not a unicorn child. She didn't sleep the whole like eight hour section of the, the flight. So that was hell. But then like, I always say too, like it does kind of vanish after you land somewhere, you create those memories. Like I forgot about it by like the morning, but in that moment I was like, dear God, like what did we do? But yeah, well, plus, cause then, you know, maybe you have to put up with that on your way home as well, but then at least when you wake up the next day and the horror of the flight or whatever the hell happened to you is gone, then you just think about the memories of your trip and you love that. And then it's, you're back to that happy place again. And then maybe you yeah. learned a thing or two, but you went, when yeah. you like, correct me if I'm wrong, you stayed at like a quieter Island when you went to French Polynesia. And I remember you saying that it was like really good making that move. Yes. So we went to, we were, the island of Tahiti, the island of Maria, and the island of Taha. So we we did three different islands, and uh, Maria and Taha were uh, much more quieter islands, um, less expensive than like Bora Bora. And um, you you know on Maria we stayed in Airbnb, which made such a difference because you know we got to have like a separate room, we had more space, we had a kitchen, um, so all of that kind of stuff that when you're traveling with kids makes it easier. Um, so I by like day three I'm like. I live here now. Like I know everything about this place. Like, you know, that feeling when it got real comfortable. Yeah. So yeah, we went to islands that were a little bit more less focused on like the honeymoon aspect, I would say. And does that make it uh, cheaper too? Like, is that, cause I, I, I'm obsessed with the idea of Tahiti. I remember like I read it in a Betty and Veronica comic when I was like a kid. Veronica Lodge was in Tahiti with her family and it was like amazing. It blew my little mind and I'm like, I gotta go to Tahiti. Met Shane and he used to be obsessed with Tahiti treat, the drink. So oh, he grew yes. up always wanting to get to Tahiti. So we're like, we're doing it one day, probably just as a couple's vacay, but it's so fucking expensive. Like I've looked at things, it is so expensive. So are the other islands like, are they does it make it more financially feasible? Uh, Maria is definitely more feasible. Tahiti's, you could find some great hotels and Airbnbs on there that are n- not nearly as close as the price as Bora Bora. Bora Bora is, everything's like quadruple the price. The food is expensive there. Um, it was still, you know, because I do content creation and travel, you know, we do get some hotel deals and stuff like that. So a part of that trip was doing stuff like that, that obviously brought the cost down, but we had gotten points to LA and then from LA we had paid for our flights from there. So that again, dropped the, the price. And then we had stayed a portion of the trip in Airbnb and did the trip at like one of those overwater bungalows. So it was like easy living, you know, very simple living. And then we're like, okay, now we, you know, kind of took it up a notch and ended, you know, feeling much more relaxed and didn't have to do like cleaning ourselves. Right. Yeah. That is phenomenal. 
Like that is so phenomenal. I remember looking at pictures. I was like, this is it. And then we did a version that worked for us inspired by your trip, which was St. Martin. So we did a St. Martin thing. And and that was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was an amazing trip. So nice. It was. And it was like where we stayed was such a great spot for families and super affordable. But I mean, the flight still killed me. And that flight is half of the time that it would take to get to French Polynesia. Like, so I I need to know, what do you, what do you do? Because I, so Betty, when we went to St. Martin, that was like our last time getting her on a plane before she actually cost money. And I was like, I need to keep breastfeeding so that I can keep her quiet on the airplane. Lucy, at this age, I can just hand her like an iPad. And because she's not on them ever, it just kept her busy the entire time. It was amazing. But with like little kids, if they're not breastfed or like not used to nursing all the time, I don't I don't know how I would do it. So I next time we go away with Betty, I don't know when that's gonna be. I don't know how I'm gonna keep her quiet because she is like a tantrum kid. So how do you yeah. do it? Like do you have any any like plain hacks for surviving such a long flight? I thought of you because the last trip was just Gemma and my mom that we went on and I was stuck in a customs line and I just started breastfeeding. I meant to record it and but I just I couldn't, I didn't have time because I was like, you know, getting death stares and all that. Right. And it was just hell, but yeah, I had to breastfeed her and then I just took her out of the line and my mom waited in it and stuff. But back to the question of of the flight, we've had some flights where it's been a hot mess. Like it's been embarrassing. I remember people like leaving the plane, like they had such pity in their eyes for us. Like they were like, Oh, I remember those days, <laughs> like, you know, and that, that honestly made me feel better. Um, me and Aaron were like, you know, about to get into domestic at one point, like we were just at each other's throats too. Cause it's like stressful. Right. But like from doing it a few more times, I, you know, I remember bringing like sound machines and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, like the plane is very loud. I think we forget how loud, loud the plane is. And for the most part, people have their their earphones on a lot of people, right. If there is an entertainment system and they're not really listening to you, unless you don't have a road to yourselves, like with your family and you do have like Bob beside you, who's like, just hates his life. <laughs> then that's different. Right. Cause then you feel really bad, but of course. most of the time it's just, you know, they're doing their own thing. Now, what something that we did learn the last little bit was to get a row in front of the bathroom or like in the middle of the plane, because our issue was like, Chloe was kicking and, you know, that is annoying. There's no head like earphones for that. So we try to get that row because it offers up a little bit more space. And if someone's kicking or kind of like, you know, flailing their arms, it's no one's in, there's no row in front. And then just like having so many like things in your back pocket, like snacks, different games, surprise games, taking turns. There's no, you know, there's no recipe to make it like the perfect flight, but that's, you know, what has worked for us is kind of getting that row and and having the mentality that like it could go either way. And just that's helped me personally being like, okay, we're headed to the shit show direction. Like it is what it is, you know, and it's, even though it's stressful, it's just knowing that, that it could go that way is, is helped me at least a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I think going into it, knowing that it could be terrible, it, it's calming for me rather than making yeah. myself think, oh, this is going to be great. I've got everything. I thought of everything. I packed everything. We're going to be good. I got those snack boxes. Right. I got dollars. It's like, and then it goes like they just throw it away and you're like, oh no. But knowing that they could do that, it, yeah, 
it yeah. does kind of help. It's easier said than done, though, obviously. Yeah, but you, but. Do, you do have to keep the expectations low, I think. And then everything's a bonus. Everything's a surprise. And it's nice, Everything. right? Because like I remember yes. the first few flights we took Lucy on, because she started going on planes when she was eight weeks old. And when we started taking her, she was phenomenal. A dream. A year yeah. and a half went by. Phenomenal. And this is like, I don't know, eight flights. And then at a year and a half, we're coming home from Florida. And I'm like, oh, we were great on the way there. We've been great her whole life. This is going to be smooth sailing. My expectations were through the roof. Like I was walking through that airport line like a cocky little shithead because I'm like, this baby's not going to cry. I know you're all thinking you don't want to be seated by a baby. None of you are going to care. She's going to be amazing. The plane gets stuck on the tarmac for two hours with no air conditioning in Florida. That's how we start this, okay? So Lucy is beet red. She is sweating. She's bawling her eyes out already. And I'm like, of mm-hmm. course, I feel like that too. The rest of the flight, she, and I've said it before, she turned into Linda Blair from The Exorcist. She was like, in this weird goblin voice. She was biting me. She had never bit me before. She was slapping me in the face. And there was no calming her down. Thank God it was a short flight, right? I mean, like you said, the benefit of going to Florida that even if it goes to hell, it's a short flight. It's going down. But like also that should be illegal. I feel like whenever there's like sitting on the tarmac, like kids should be allowed off to like at least run through like the little terminal thing. Like, And no air conditioning. Like it was dangerous, really. Yeah. Right. And like they weren't yeah. serving drinks no, or refreshments, obviously. So it was it was horrendous. Dark um, scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but but that's why even like before even like speaking of flying is like, you know, being on the airplane is the worst part of traveling because you're confined. So it's like when they ask for families to board first, I I am the last one to board. That's what we like do. we do not. Yeah, there's no no getting on the plane right away because then like in the waiting area you are free right and they can run around and no that's that's a huge (laughs) tip that I think is underrated so we actually when we went to St. Martin Lucy did get on the plane with the family boarding she went with my mom because she was just excited to sit there with the iPad which was amazing Betty who cannot sit still because she was not even two at this point we boarded like when they're doing the final and we were outside of the gate the entire time but like we boarded as they're saying, okay, this is the absolute last call. <laughs> and that's when we went and we just had Betty doing laps around the gate. Yeah, and it was like- that energy. Yes. It was amazing. And that was her better of the two flights that we did that. And Getting that kind of, yeah. Oh, it was so helpful. System. But I remember yeah. like the first time I flew with kids, I was looking up online, uh, like what to do, like on the mommy blogs and the forums, like, you know, flying for the first time, what can you do? And I remember reading an article about- uh, what was it? It was like a mom who who packed the like goodie bags and For gave the them out. Guests. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, that sounds nice. But then a part of me was like, f you. Like you're allowed to fly. My baby's allowed to fly, and I'm allowed to fly with my baby as well. And I I couldn't find a happy balance. And then recently on TikTok, we had a video go viral because everybody was in the comments arguing about babies on planes. And TikTok okay. is a younger audience. But the vast yeah. majority was like violently hostile to the idea Ooh. of babies on planes. It was Aww. it was bizarre. Well, TikTok, I feel like some of those TikTok commenters are, yeah, they could get real intense, but oh, that that's yeah. disheartening though. Yeah. So like, how do you deal? What's your mentality going in on a plane? Are you like talking to your neighbors, giving out treats? Or are you saying, F it, I'm paying for my kid. 
we're as entitled as everybody else. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel for people that are on a plane like that. I mean, I remember seeing someone on, on my feed that showed that they, you know, had made these bags. And I think we were flying not to a few days later. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> damn it. Like I'm the worst person. Um, I mean, if I had the money to buy everyone around drinks, I would certainly do that over like a little gift bag, but I don't. So anyways, yeah, I, f- I feel for people on a plane. And obviously if my, my child was like kicking someone, I would feel terrible and that's unacceptable. But I mean, having a baby cry and stuff that, you know, they can't help it. And a lot of the times they do find the airline will try to put the kids section together. Like if there's another family, like we have been situated by, you know, um, behind us was another family and that helps because you, you just know so what each other helpful. are going through. And then the kids look at you each see other. Eye to eye. Yes. Yes. All yes. I need, all I need is somebody to like, look at my baby and not look at them in disgust and look at them and make faces at them. That solves everything that keeps my kids occupied. It switches. They're my, like, they're like, okay, I have something new to look at someone new. And yeah, it sometimes works for a little bit, but you know, you kind of saying about the difference between Betty and Lucy, I think, you know, traveling before a year and a half is such an awesome time to travel. And if you do only have one, it's like, go for it for the most part, obviously every baby's different, but like, that's the best time, you know, that I found. But I think Lucy and Chloe are at ages where they're starting to get a little bit older that they can sit still for a little bit longer. So I think the worst time is, you know, that just over a year and a half to that, like three 100%. pocket. Yes. And then it's, you know, you just kind of got to get through that dark time. And then it's, they're probably going to get used to, you know, they have these memories of going on planes or they know how to act a little bit better and you know, you're past it. Right. So it's not a long, it's not a long season, like a lot of things in, in motherhood. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, I'm trying yeah. to wait for the season to be over for Betty. Cause I'm planning in my head and I have been for years, like this awesome family Euro trip that I want to do, but I don't want to do it until Betty is at least four because it's a longer flight, you know, who knows what we'll be doing in Europe, maybe bus rides, maybe long car rides, whatever. But I really, I want to set this up and I got to do it after this hump because it is a shitty hump that we're in. And it's like, there's no nap time jail probably at that time, like so regimented, right? So that's probably a good plan. Um, You probably could do it now too, but it's, you probably would have a better time overall or, you know, just would. If you have the patience, you can do anything at any time. Like I follow this one family. The wife's name is uh, Elena Karasu and then Riley. They have a sailboat. Have you ever seen them? They're the ones that they brought Greta Thunberg from like Europe to North America for a conference a couple years ago. But they live on a boat. And in the past couple of years, they've had two kids and they live on a sailboat with two children and they sail constantly. And it's like, they're doing this as their life. If anybody can do that and live in these like confined corners, you can do anything, you're fine. It's true. And like, I, th- I follow a similar family that lives in a camper van and like, they're the cutest little family. And I think they're about to have their third or fourth. So it's not oh even God. like they just have one kid. And it's like, yeah, so you're right. If, if it can be done and you know, it's true. It's like people do have kids everywhere where, you know, mm-hmm. they don't have the luxuries of what we have. And we're lucky to have some of the space that we have and the comfort, you know, tools that you sometimes bring on, bring with you. Right. No, abs- absolutely. And honestly, yeah. thinking about living in a camper van with uh, four kids, it, like that personally uh, makes me want to vomit in fear. Like that is terrifying. But again, 
that's so many people's situation and it's it's what you're comfortable with exactly exactly that I would not love like I can't even I got in a fight with my parents we're at the cottage right now there's 12 people here like it's a party right now and I told my parents the kids like there's two full queen-size beds in the room I'm in but I told my parents the kids are not gonna be in my room they have to be in their own bedroom because they will not sleep and I can't I can't they can be looking at me in the night. Like there's certain things I need to have because I can have them that I need to have for my comfort. And I very first world problems, but whatever. It's oh, but just, it's it's like I'm thinking of like the, the girl from The Exorcist too. Like Chloe would be standing like over me in bed. Like it just doesn't work for us. And some people co-sleep and it works great for them, but it just, yeah, it doesn't work for us either. No, absolutely. But, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I want to talk about travel experiences and like your personal travel experiences because we had... Other than that one time on the flight, we haven't had any negative, overwhelmingly negative travel experiences like going on a vacation. Everything we've done has been very kid-friendly when we brought the family. However, we went to the zoo uh, last Saturday. And you were talking about you and Aaron almost getting in domestic in the airport. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Marissa. It was the most horrendous experience we've ever been through. Shane and I were just like silent and angry. The kids were crying because they were hot and tired. They didn't see any animals because all the animals were sleeping. The lineups were long. Traffic, because we're the idiots who go on a Saturday, instead of the one hour it should take to the zoo, two hours each way. It was just like the worst day possible. Thank God it was only a day trip. But what is your worst travel experience as a family, if you have one? Well, there's been a few hiccups. That's for sure. Um, I mean, that's that flight from t- from LA to Tahiti that was eight hours. That definitely like sits with me. That yeah, that sometimes haunts me. But on a recent trip to Costa Rica, we went there in March, and um, we everything went so smooth, like almost too smooth. The girls were amazing on the flight, and we're like, okay, like something. We we're just waiting for the shoe to drop, and I it was just like I kept knocking on wood, and um, we landed and. Um, it was just chaos, like chaos at the airport. Customs was so long and it's like, it's okay. We're here. Everything went so smooth. It's okay. We were there for, for over a month. So we did pack a lot and there was, you know, we were going to a remote area where my youngest Gemma was three months at the time. So, you know, she's just at that delicate baby stage where there was just a lot of things that I wanted to bring, you know, to be safe and, and all that. And our luggage didn't show up. So that was just, it was very stressful because we, only had a hotel in this area for the one night. And then we were like moving on three hours away. And, you know, with the airlines now, you can't get in touch with like a live person for the yeah. life of you. Right. It's because they're, so they're all going to help. Like it's the airlines are in a bad state. <laughs> it's just not good. So I was like tweeting people and and not even like, I just wanted to know where the bag was. Like, was it in Costa Rica? Was it in Toronto? But nonetheless, we went to Walmart and luckily there was a Walmart in, you know, the major city we landed in and got a bunch of stuff. But it, it was just, you know, a lot of the labels were in Spanish. So, you know, I didn't realize even like the language barrier would be, you know, the way it was. And and uh, so I just didn't get I got the majority of stuff, but there was just like little things for her that I brought from home that I knew worked for her at the time. And so I was I felt very stressed about it. And we didn't have answers for like 48 hours, which. In the grand scheme of things, it, I just was like, this could be so much worse. You know, she could be sick or something. And at the time, you know, there was the war happening in Ukraine, like had j- just started. And I was just like, 
this is just silly to complain about this. So I just let it go. And, and we ended up getting our bag back and it, it just wasn't, there was worse things that could have happened, but that was given her age stressful for sure. Well, of course. And I think to travel anywhere, like alone as a couple, as a family, you need to have a lot of flexibility. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, you could be a rigid per- person and then develop a vacation around that. But I think if you're taking kids, you need to have patience and you need to have flexibility because something like that, because then you're staying an extra day in that one major city, probably right to wait for your bags. Is that what you guys did? Was it Liberia? Where'd you fly into? It was Liberia. We ended up driving though, because we just were like, we had no answers. So we ended up driving to Nazara where we were, uh, we're staying and it was three hours away and luck was on our side because we did get a call and the, a girl took our bag by mistake oh and she ended up staying close by and dropped it off and stuff. And I think it was just more like if any bag was to be missing, we just wish it was one of ours versus like the girls where there was like medication and what? creams. Yeah. And yeah, I was going to, what if, what if your kid was diabetic? What if, so good takeaway here, bring any vitals on the plane on a carry on with you. Right. Like, I, and I, I did bring some things, but it's just still of course. like I brought her sleep sack and sound machine. So she did sleep good that night. And, you know, that was great, but it was just, and, and it wasn't like, it was just like a rash cream that really was like irking me. It was like, this rash cream is like, you know, this is the stuff for her. And yeah. You don't want your kid to be in discomfort. And I got to yeah. commend you because um, Costa Rica with a three month old, like Costa Rica with any kid, I don't think Costa Rica is necessarily for like the faint of heart travelers. I took a bunch of students there a few years ago and like, cool. maybe, maybe it was just because they were older and like, it was the things that we did on our trip, but like, it was very physical stuff. Like you had to be prepared. Rugged. Yes. Yes. It was very rugged. Yeah. So how the did, roads how did, were very bad there. We kind of went in with the mentality, like it was going to be a bit of a journey to get to where we were staying. Um, but we knew we didn't want to jump around. Like Marissa and Aaron would be like, you know, let's go check with this waterfall and let's do this and that. But we knew we would kind of be staying put in that area a little bit. And then we did jump around a little bit from, you know, we stayed in the Airbnb for like, you know, just under two weeks. And then we went to a hotel, like an hour down the coast, but we just did it in, you know, an hour drive mm-hmm. increments versus like, let's drive eight hours to this really popular area that people go to. But, you know, I looked up like before we go anywhere, I do do the the research of like knowing where there's, you know, a hospital and getting those numbers that are important just in case you need them. We did Columbia with Chloe, um, which was, you know, kind of off the beaten track too. And, mm-hmm. and the same thing we, I made sure, you know, we weren't going to an area at the time she wasn't fully vaccinated she was six months. So it was like, okay, we're not going to go to this area where, you know, you're supposed to have this shot and this shot. Like we're going to stay in more of the cities. So kind of doing that research and knowing that we're in a place where there's a hospital close by always makes me feel a little bit more safe and comfortable. Yeah. Well, like even when yeah. I was in Costa Rica, so my brother was working with me too at the time and we were staying in this gorgeous, like it was a really gorgeous villa. We had like three different places that we went. I forget the beach city that we were in. We were in a beach town a couple hours outside of Liberia. And that's where we started. And my brother and I are sharing this villa. And I'm like sitting on my bed the first day we get there. And I'm like getting all my pictures up of the students arriving and everything for their parents to see. And I look and there's like a little spider thing beside me on the bed. I'm like, ew, like that's gross. So I get up to get like a paper towel to pick it up. And then as I'm going to get that guy, 
I see another little guy beside him. And then I start looking on the bed that I've just been lying on for an hour. Marissa, there were, (laughs) I don't know, tens of thousands of ticks on this bed. Ticks. So then they have to come in. They fumigate my room. And like their rules are different. So like I'm living in the villa as a fumigation's going on. We're just keeping the bedroom door closed and like put towels underneath the door. And then there's flying giant cockroaches like do they just live in the house and nobody cares like we we told the people there and they're like oh yeah they're just gonna be in your house like you can't get rid of them and we're like okay so we're get we're getting used to this right and it's like then i'd be so happy to see we'd see geckos in the room and i'd be like this is great the geckos are gonna eat the cockroaches this is perfect and it was like a little ecosystem inside my house and then we went up to monteverde the cloud rainforest which was gorgeous. Looks beautiful. It was beautiful. And there, I mean, the hotel was like, it was like a gorgeous five-star hotel. I had the most beautiful hotel room I probably ever stayed in, in my life, to myself. No no ticks there. No ticks there, but I'm sleeping. (laughs) I have bad eyes, right? So I wear wear contacts and glasses at night and I'm cuddling up to go to bed in like my five-star gorgeous suite of a room. And I see something black on the ceiling, but I can't, I can't really see it because I don't have my glasses on. So I put on my glasses, scream as loud as I fucking can, tarantula, tarantula uh, in my room. Like, why did I put on my glasses? Oh, it <laughs> was horrendous. It was, and we're in, we're in a rainforest. Uh, yeah. I don't care about spiders, but that, that size with the, like the hair. No. It was so no. hairy and so big. So they came but in and like, well, sprinted in my pajamas with no shoes on inside. So then they came in to get it with like a net and then because I sprinted out so quick I left the door open so a snake got in so I got the snake it was like it was I couldn't sleep after that obviously so that's what I mean when I say like Costa Rica is rugged this is a five-star resort and I'm dying to go back because it was a beautiful experience but it's like that's that's tricky you saw every animal yes (laughs) oh right up close it was better than the zoo trip but like it is tricky when you go with kids right because they're all these unknowns and these variables that you can't account for that can just kind of happen to you and that's nerve-wracking and I know and that and going into that trip was a little different than obviously going to Florida and you know somewhere in the United States where it's very easy to grab things if you need them but there and again with the luggage I was stressed because I did bring some nets and stuff that would maybe go over like her bassinet and just being a little bit cautious because of her age and stuff but we did, we did have thankfully no tarantulas because I would freak <laughs> and hopefully like no snakes uh, either. Cause Aaron's definitely afraid of them. Oh, so I'd go. probably have to kill it. But we found, there was like this, like, we didn't even know what it was. The girls had been, they were asleep at this point. Me and Aaron were like enjoying wine. We're like, this is great. And then we see something and I have a photo of it. It's like, it was the size of my hand and it was on like this, the outside terrace. And we had been inside at the time. It was so big. It looked like a massive grasshopper. Oh man. But I would take, I would take that over like a tarantula. Oh, so, and 100%. it was on the outside. So I was like, oh, it's probably going to go away at, you know, in the morning. And sure enough in the morning, it was still there. And Chloe was like, ah, what is that? You know, and John obviously had no idea what was going on, <laughs> but we were like poking it, trying to get it away. And it just wasn't moving. And you don't know if it's like going to, it could bite you or yeah. No, I was like, this is frightening. Like we have to get at least off the patio, right? Because the girls were sitting, like 
we had them on the, the couch that it was um, under. So Aaron was like throwing like a bucket at it. Like he was even a little afraid, low key. And finally a bucket did it and he flew off. But that was, yeah, there was, I mean, a lot of monkeys and the geckos and stuff like that, but the, the geckos were small. So we, it didn't bug us. But if I oh, saw I tarantula, I would, I would have been like running. Yeah. All right, Marissa, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprints. It has been so important as our family grows. And one way we're doing that is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. So with two kids and like, you know, the amount of laundry that adds up to, we were going through so many plastic detergent bottles and the laundry room was kind of like a graveyard for them. So then we discovered True Earth laundry detergent and again, like have not changed since then. They're amazing. This detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips. So you just rip them apart and toss them in your wash. It's so easy. And the best part is because they're like really thin strips, it just comes in a tiny little cardboard package. It's like not even an inch thick. So it just sits nicely in your laundry room and keeps everything just looking clean and put together. And as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we usually go for the baby detergent because it's fragrance-free, gentle on skin, but it's still super tough on dirt, on stains, and our clothes come out smelling great. But recently, True Earth came out with the scent Lilac Breeze, and Shane and I have been so into that. So check that one out if you go online. And you can put in an order for your new detergent at true.earth. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10, you're getting 10% off your order. And that's whether you do a one-time order or a subscription. You're going to love this product. You need to take my word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. We are also supported by... Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. They believe in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics that you can get for your kids, like fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact non-toxic dyes. Plus, this is some super exciting information that Shane and I have been like, praying for for a long time. They now have a women's collection. So this is the M and West collection under Mini Miosh. And it's still simple. It's French Terry. Everything is still ethical and sustainable. Like I live in my M and West sweatsuit. I highly recommend them as a gift to yourself, as a gift to somebody else. Mini Miosh in general is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. It's available in Canada and in the US and it's only one use per customer. So load up your carts. You won't regret it. Again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. And now let's get back to the interview. Yeah, no, the geckos became roommates. I named them like that was fine. Tarantula snakes, ticks, don't and cockroaches. Oh, no. oh my god, especially the friggin' giant flying ones. Not my cup Oof. of tea. No, the flying anything flying. Oh no. Oh, it was horrendous. But it's um, like it's funny how you get used to it, though, right? How oh, you just kind of adapt to like your settings. You're like, oh yeah, geckos on my feet, right? Yeah. You just. Yeah, go to sleep and you know know that they're like running around your head kind of on the wall, but it's like, I I don't care. They're eating the bad bugs and they're not going to like bite me. Like they're fine. They're scared of me. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't mind things like that, but it's like, yeah, no, I I commend you for that trip because that is more than I would be able to do 
my kids at this time. And I'd love to take them eventually when they're a little older, but it's tricky. It is, but you'd probably do great. I, I you think would probably so. do great though if you did bring them. I think I'd do better than my husband, Shane. I think Shane would be more nervous about it. He's more rigid. I'm very loose and flowy. I think he'd yeah. have a hard time with it. That's how me and my husband are. Yeah. I never would say. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the nets and I want to talk travel hacks if you have any. Because yeah. like I've got yeah. one, two. I've got two that I, I recommend. One, if you're in a small room, kids go to sleep in the bathroom if they're in a crib set up the crib in the bathroom, especially if you have more than one. And then you turn on the fan, they've got a fan going, then you have peace and quiet in your room. That has worked amazing for us. And the second, if they're not in a bathroom, uh, a thing, what's it called? What's mine called? A snooze shade. Slumber pod or snooze shade? Yeah, yeah. The, it's amazing. You throw it over the amazing. crib, it keeps it dark. Your kid can't really see you. And it's like you can put them for a nap in the middle of the day with no curtains. And it's perfect. But do you have any travel hacks? I need some personally. Well, I always recommend the snoo shade because it's like, it's priced pretty reasonable too. I think it's oh, yeah. 129 The slumber pod is more pricey, but it does, sometimes the snoo shade doesn't fit over certain cribs, which has kind of, I've gone in thinking, oh, I'm going to just smack the snoo shade on there. And it doesn't fit over some of those like older style cribs. So we've done that. And then another hack, like when we were in Costa Rica, which um, again, I think to go into a hotel room knowing that like, your plaque and play might not fit in the closet that you like went in thinking that that's where you're going to put it. So knowing like you get to a hotel, you kind of just have to assess as you get there. And we were staying at a really, really small room at a beautiful resort, but the room was just small. Um, so we put each pack and play for the girls by the window. We put up garbage bags on each side of the windows and then wrap the curtain around the pack and plays. So that kind of worked out because it was like, darkness. Yeah. And then we just blacked out those windows so that they each kind of had their own spot. Cause there was like no nice. fitting in the washroom. The washroom was like an open kind of concept too. So that didn't work, but yeah, that, that always helps for hotel, like a hotel hack. And then, you know, for tra- like for flight hacks, one that recently has started to kind of work for us, um, or just, I could see how it would benefit a family is first of all, a little hack of, of signing up your kids for, for points. So whatever flight you go on, whether it's WestJet or Southwest, even if your kid is only three, like make sure you get them like a WestJet points card because they're little and you might not fly WestJet all the time, you know, depending on where you find a deal or whatever, but those might add up once they're 10. They, most of the, the card systems don't expire. Um, so we started noticing like a little bit of a buildup for Chloe in Westride in particular. That's why I brought it up. Um, so that's something to make sure you're doing when you're booking flights for your kids that are over two. And then some credit cards are, they have really, really good signup bonuses where at first I was like, oh my God, the annual fee is $600. Like I am not paying that. That's crazy. But then you look at what it gives you. And if you're traveling with a family, those sign-up bonuses can pay for almost like an entire round trip, you know, round trip flights for like at least three of you guys where $600. Yeah. So like American Express Platinum, the fee is $700, which is a lot, but it includes access to lounges, which you get free food and airplane food is like, 60 bucks mm-hmm. minimum, right? Like my husband eats, needs to eat like every freaking 15 minutes. So, and same with Chloe. 
So, you know, if you're, if you're traveling a little bit more, that does add up, you get a rebate in your Disney bill every month, you get a $200 credit and I'm not sponsored by this. This is just yeah, yeah. me trying it out. No, this is it's so good to know. Your a hotel credit, sorry. So you get, have $200 to spend in a hotel. So there's all these little things that already kind of like pay for that $700 annual fee. And then you get like a sign up bonus of $110,000. Like you do have to spend, you know, a minimum amount, but you, if you're just strategic about it, it could really work out for like flight saving hacks to travel on a budget. So that's kind of something we've been exploring. But so one thing that I need definite hack for, and I want to know if you have any solutions to this. So we took Lucy to Jamaica when she was just over one. We took her on a series of vacations, which was great because then COVID happened a few months after and we're like, oh, this is great. Like we just went on four vacations all in a row just because we had the time. We wanted to do it while she was still free. It was amazing. But we took her to Jamaica and we had like, we're at a resort. I don't love resorts. There's so many pros and so many cons to them. One con is that you're like, it's hard to get to the beach because maybe you're up on floor number five and then you have to watch the walk the huge grounds past all the restaurants past the pools before you can get to the beach things like that and it's just like elevators are hard to wait for because there's so many people all of that so lucy at this time was napping twice a day so two times a day we were in nap jail because we had a small room with a tiny little balcony so we just have to sit out on the balcony for like an hour and a half, two hours, and just like look at the people swimming. We couldn't go to the bathroom. We couldn't go inside. We were too scared. And then same thing at nighttime. If we put her up at like to bed at like 730, then we just have to like hang out on the balcony all night. And there was no, I, I didn't know how we could get around it. It was brutal. Because like look at those people having fun and living and yeah, you're like, damn it. Yes. I mean, we, yeah, we've been in natural too. I know some people are very easy and like carefree mm-hmm. with not doing naps, but we're on that. We do naps too. And we try to, and I, I find it works because, you know, we have a, a great day. They kind of are on their schedule and they've been in better mood when they nap. Um, so we'd like to stick with it, but or a little thing that's made me feel like not as annoyed with nap jail is dividing and conquering. So it's like, okay, afternoon nap, I'm going to go out and lay by the pool. Aaron's going to stay back at the room. And then maybe morning nap, we're, we're on the balcony together. But just getting those like those times by yourself where one person can stay back. And obviously, ideally, we'd love both of us to be doing something. But it does feel amazing. Like even if it's an hour where like, I'm going to go for a run during a morning nap and then lay on the beach and read. And you still get that like vacation feel when your kids are getting their naps in. And then also too, like some bigger resorts, they do have childcare and it's not something that everyone. Have you used it? I have. Okay. I want to hear about this experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want anyone like coming at me because that's been, I I found sometimes too, like, it's like, people like, oh my God, I would never feel comfortable. And and that's understandable, but we have, you know, again, we do a lot of research. Um, I'm on like a traveling kids Facebook group. I know some people in like the internet space that have done trips with family. So I'll always reach out to them. But if we're not staying at a really nice resort, I'll often start with calling a really nice resort, like calling like a Four Seasons or St. Regis and ask them who, what babysitting services they recommend or what company they use. Because a lot of the times those five-star resorts are using like top-notch, you know, babysitting company that's has all the checks that you need and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, so we, we've used that. Um, when we were in Costa Rica, we, we found a babysitter, Nazara nannies. And, you know, I spoke to like past moms and we felt comfortable, especially like, I think when you meet someone and, you know, you just have, you get a good gut feeling that this person's nice. I knew I did was lucky enough to knew, to know another family, like personally that used them. Um, and, and it was only two hours, but it did like a world of difference for that day and for that week. And, um, I think there's no shame in using childcare when you're away on family vacations. And, um, recently when we were in Turks and Caicos, we, um, we were staying at a really nice resort this time. So they had a babysitter that was in house and me and my mom went out for dinner. The rest of the dinners were spent at the resort and they were earlier. And then one night we're like, let's go off the resort. And, and we, we got a sitter and Gemma was already sleeping. Like I put her to sleep. I had the camera on. So like there's, you know, it's, I'm watching her at dinner. She's with someone who's been at all these really nice resorts babysitting. And she was like such a sweetheart. I loved her. Um, just immediately I felt, you know, a really nice energy with her. And, and I felt, yeah, like a little sense of trust and yeah, we had a great night. So I think that might be one of the best travel hacks with kids I've ever heard because I'm not opposed to using babysitting. I just haven't. And I know that I do research, but the idea of calling like a high-end hotel and finding out what service they use is genius. That is so yeah. smart. Cause it's like, yeah, you could do a quick Google search, but you know, those nice hotels, like a lot of the clientele probably uses them too. And, so and yeah, so that's worked for sure. Yeah, no, it just, even just like I was going to say, like you, it can add up like on average, I think they're about $25 us. And of course they, they rank up the pricing at some of those nicer places and, and they can. Um, so it's not something you need to utilize the whole week, obviously, like we don't have the budget to do that. It's just those quick little few hours so it's in those few hours can make the biggest difference because it can allow you to connect and then have also a romantic vacation on a family vacation and it just adds another dimension I think to the trip but that's like a genius hack I will be using that I think that's so smart and the last thing I want to ask you before I let you go what is your bucket list family travel destination oh gosh well we I mean, I have like five, but <laughs> Europe would be amazing. I would love to do Europe. I'd love to go to Italy with the girls mm -hmm. and do that. Um, but another trip, meaning I would love to go. We had the opportunity to go to the Maldives for a honeymoon and we went back to the same resort not too long ago. And it was just, it, it's just like our favorite place we've ever been. So we would absolutely love to bring the girls there. So that's kind of a bucket list trip. I said, maybe our 10 year anniversary. It's our five year amazing. anniversary this year. Oh, So we'll see. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I found, I found, cause I've been looking in Europe like for years. That's all I do. I look at like Airbnbs. I found like a castle essentially that you could rent out in Croatia. It was like 80 Canadian a night and in a tiny little town by like this beautiful, gorgeous, crystal clear water beach. And I'm like, this is it. And this is just like one day Set. of searching, but you know, there's so many, they have there's the so many best amazing Airbnbs. opportunities. They're so cheap. It's Italy, way different. Everywhere. France, Croatia, <laughs> and Italy amazing airbnbs like stay in a castle with a stained glass window and like banquette velvet seats like inside like yeah yes Actually, i've been better. following is it your sister-in-law my sister-in-law who is yeah. currently vacation oh my god 
she's in Seville right now. I'm, I have like, I'm watching her stories every day just for escapism. Like she's an artist I really love. So that's why I follow her in the first place. And now she's on yeah. vacation. She's got like a beautiful eye for like architecture. So she just keeps posting stuff. And I'm like, take me right now. This is gorgeous. Like it's gorgeous. And she, yeah, she stayed in a lot of Airbnbs. Like her Airbnb game was real strong this trip. And yeah, so that's, you're right. There's like a lot of beautiful places you can stay um, in Europe on Airbnb. And, and again, with family travel too, like, Airbnbs are amazing. Like it doesn't, I think sometimes people look at it like, oh, you have to clean. And, and it's not really like that. There is some Airbnbs too. I think in Europe, you can add cleaning one. And I always recommend if you're going to do an Airbnb, like maybe end off with a really nice hotel, because then you kind of get the best of both worlds and you get that like pampering that you might need at the end of a trip. So I think you, you can't argue with the space. If you're taking kids, you can't argue with the space that you can get in an Airbnb. It's amazing. No. And there's no, you know, having to stuff your child in the bathroom, in the closet, which we do. It's just nice. And then like, I know you and Shane do your date nights and I, I love seeing them because, you know, it gives me life and it's something that we enjoy too. (laughs) And it's like, you could romanticize, you know, your Airbnb. All right. So Marissa and I have been disconnected thanks to crappy cottage Wi-Fi. So sorry, everybody, but you need to check out Marissa. Her Instagram account is just gorgeous and it is aspirational and it, it gives me so many great ideas. So you can check that out at The Daydream Diaries. That's again, The Daydream Diaries. Her website is thedaydreamdiaries.com. And again, Go check it out. Go give her a follow. She is awesome. And thank you so much, Marissa, for joining us. Good interview, Alex. Thanks, Shane. Before okay, before we get into the next part, I'm just thinking about it right now. It's on my brain. Because I'm like dealing with this awful sinus infection. I have so much mucus like in my face. Like, have you ever looked at where the sinuses are in the face? Like a picture? We have these air pockets underneath mm-hmm. our eyes and our cheeks. And they just fill up with mucus when we have an infection. It's okay. really gross. Yeah. I've blown my nose like 250 times today how did people survive with sinus infections in the olden days when there weren't when kleenex was not available like i mean like real olden days they probably had bigger problems to worry about dinosaurs chasing them they were not alive at the same time as dinosaurs cavemen were no they weren't i don't know (laughs) (laughs) maybe really big alligators still but like, would they use a leaf? Would they just die? Like, would they just roll over and quit life? Because that's how I feel. And I have Kleenex and I feel like rolling over and quitting life. Like, I don't think the Kleenex is saving you from the infection, though. No, but it's getting the snot out of my face so I can breathe for three seconds before it clogs up again. Yeah, I don't know. When they, the old time, they're probably outside a lot. There were cave men, though, right? Yeah. And women. <laughs> yeah, there were cave people. Yeah, so they honestly, getting food is probably so important. That they weren't thinking about their sinus infection. And the average lifespan's forty or something. Yeah, yeah. I definitely definitely I, I think it like if they survived to a certain age, like they had the ability to survive. Yeah, they could live just old, as long as we could. But you know? they all get eaten by, you know, those big dinosaur alligators. Yeah, and a lot of people die in birth, so that affects the statistics oh, a ton, yeah. on how, like, the and babies die, they don't make it out. So that affects the lifespan. Some people think, oh, just people didn't live as long back then. It was the elements. Are there any times in your life you feel like you could have died? Like, things that you have done in the past where you're like, oh, my God, I'm so lucky to be alive from that. The closest was when me and you were driving and I was trying to Christ. go up that hill and the car went back and, like, 
yeah, we were at a, my boss's cottage and he had a very steep hill and I didn't know how to use the gears to yeah, put it in the, pro- to the proper gear to go up the hill. And the car rolled back and it was about to flip, but a bunch of people ran out of the cottage and caught it right before we flipped off this little cliff and smashed into the cottage. Because we would have flipped almost like slowly, but it definitely would have flipped and it would have crushed one of us. I think it would have been me who was killed. Thank you God. probably would have survived. Well, that would, yeah, that would have been a horrible thing to survive. But like, then I would have also had to survive knowing that you're dead and knowing that your boss's cottage is ruined because of us. Like, that would have been horrible. My death, right? Both, both things. Because then I have to grieve your death and like go to court probably for your boss's cottage while I'm grieving you. I think the death makes it hard (laughs) to go to court. Well, does, does the death then negate me having to pay any fees for the cottage like would your boss have felt so bad yeah it's like a get out of jail free card it's like yeah "Yeah, i'm so angry but you lost the love of your life and like he's the one that did it so he might feel like it's fair because like you ruined his cottage but you're dead oh it cancels each other out you can't get mad at the (laughs) woman who just lost her hot husband almost husband (laughs) all right but let's get to the questions First question we got, it's for you, Shane, mm-hmm. actually. This is a new question asker, too, somebody who's never written in before. What is Shane's favorite tattoo that he has? My favorite tattoo is probably, and I don't want to hear anything about names here. Whatever. It is probably this little hawk here. It's a good hawk. No, like an eagle, a hawk? I don't know the difference, but. I think, yeah, I, I like think it's an eagle. I also have a portrait of Michael J. Fox on me from the movie Teen Wolf. You can imagine my surprise waking up next to that, looking into the eyes of Michael J. Fox uh, the morning after we met. Yeah, you can imagine my surprise. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting. All right, the next question. What does romance look like to you? Shane, let's hear your answer first. Do you have a mirror? Yourself? You're the picture of romance? How, yes. Why are you romantic? Tell me, why are you so romantic? It was just a joke. <laughs> I'm curious because I think you do consider yourself a romantic guy and I'm not denying that. I think you are. Mm-hmm. What do you think you do that is so romantic? What do I do? It's more of a being, a sense of being. Mm-hmm. I think doing things is so overrated when it comes to romance. Some guy, like I would think the biggest, are you allowed to say douchebags? Can you say douche? Douches? Uh, you, can, you can say it. I didn't I didn't know if that was a new I, like I don't beepable know. thing. But I feel like those people probably give flowers more than any other group of people. I do love flowers. I'm not saying you don't, but that is being used against women. So it's like, hey, yeah, I went to Vegas and I uh, did this and that, but she loves flowers. Trust me, water under the bridge. And it's just those flowery moments, like with literal flowers being given, I think douches are making mm-hmm. up that because all the douchiest people i know buy flowers a lot well i think it's because it's the easiest way that they think they can be romantic without looking inside themselves and doing something that their partner might like really appreciate and i think romance is just like being intentional about showing your affection for somebody else right and just being really intentional about it so it's like if you know you know that I'm going to feel great if you open a bottle of wine, turn on some bossa nova, and then we have like a meal together. That's like the weight of my heart. And that's like romance to me, 
right? And you know that about me. So that's what we do. Like on our date nights, you'll be down here first in the living room. You'll be turning on the bossa nova, getting the wine ready. So when I'm down here, it's like romance zone. You know what I mean? So I think it's just that intentionality behind showing your affection. And I think guys like that, they're just like, oh, all chicks like flowers. So then even if the woman doesn't like flowers, they're just doing it because it's the easiest thing. But it's like guys, rich guys do that with jewelry. Like didn't um, Kobe cheat on his cheat on his wife and then he just like bought her a massive ring and then she stayed with him? He did do that. Other guys have too. What? <laughs> no, like I've, I don't know who, but like I, I've read articles about like super rich guys. <laughs> Here's the are, top 10 guys who've bought <laughs> rings for their women and why they got away with it. All right. The next question. If every job paid. Wait, this- what was the last question? What does romance look like to you? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, wait, wait, you didn't answer that, though. What does romance look like to you? Like, actually. Do you have a mirror? Um, no, I don't know. It's a, it's a feeling. What is the most romantic thing that I could do? I'm taking notes. I don't know. Be considerate. I think consideration is a big part of romance. If you're considerate, that's nice. Right. I like that. All right. Next question. If every job paid the same... Would you be still doing the same job that you are now? If every job paid the same, honestly, I like doing like manual labor. I think I would love to like, I don't know, pick fruit, be a gardener. I'm not good at those things. I'm probably good at picking fruit, but I'm not good at being a gardener. But I think doing something like that would be so fulfilling in a very different way that my current job is fulfilling. And I just, I think that being outside every day and having like that, like the physical stress of something is nice. Like I, I like that. What about you? Yeah, pro basketball player would be nice. <laughs> Get a good workout in. The fame doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, the money's good. No, yeah. the money would be the same. All oh, jobs pay the for same. basketball, yeah, good. Yeah, I'm basketball. So then the not only in this like magic world do all jobs pay the same, but you're also a good enough basketball player to play pro. Hey, if you can be good enough to pick fruit, <laughs> I can be uh, picking people's pockets. All right. Next question. How do dads grieve pregnancy loss? I'm really struggling with an ectopic pregnancy. and My husband is concerned for me, but he himself seems fine. How did Shane deal with your miscarriage? So before Shane gets into it, I think it is so different for not all the time um, and everybody's different and every miscarriage and every loss is different but I think that generally and I can only speak from experience like we had a seven-week loss and or an eight-week loss and a woman feels connected physically to the baby the second you know you're pregnant right not not always I did because, you know, it's growing inside me. I could feel the physical changes every day through morning sickness, through my breast feeling sore, through little things like that. And my whole body is adjusting to this pregnancy. My body is getting, you know, flush with hormones to help connect me to this baby. There's a lot going on. So it was so different for me than for Shane, I think. Because he's kind of that early on getting things secondhand for me. He can't feel a kick yet. He can't, you know, see my belly growing yet. So I think there is a bit of a disconnect, but you can elaborate on that if you want. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of you compartmentalize it. You don't see it 
because you don't really see the physical difference of it. It's a surreal thing, pregnancy. Anyway, the, the idea of becoming a dad is so surreal, especially if it's your first kid, too. It's hard to even imagine how you're supposed to feel if you're dad until the child actually comes. So if you're not seeing it and you're not feeling it like yourself, it almost just doesn't even feel real. So it's hard. It's a very surreal feeling to to have that sort of loss. And it's different because there's no constant reminders except for the sadness that you were giving me. And that would make me really sad to see you upset. But like you said, the, the physical things going on are a constant reminder about it. And then you can't compartmentalize it because it's in your face and you can see it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can just act like it never happened because it all felt so... It's like I, I find it hard to believe that we even have children and they're here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? When they're not here, it's really hard to believe. Like, it's like we're pregnant. It's like, okay, I, I can't believe it. I'm in shock. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, wonder- so it's, yeah, it's hard to grieve something that's so magical. Yeah. Yeah. Too. I wonder if it is like just kind of an inherent coping mechanism as well for couples who experience loss, you know, especially like we did early on where it's, I'm feeling the brunt of the emotional grief. And then because you're not feeling in the same way I am, you are then there for me and you're the shoulder that I can cry on. Much Mm -hmm. like after I actually give birth and I'm the one going through pain, I'm the one who's immensely sleep deprived and like broken open. You are feeling like you always have, you know what I mean? So it's like you again are there to support me, not so much the baby. Just like in the miscarriage that we had, you were supporting me not grieving the baby you know what i mean yeah i wasn't grieving the baby i was grieving the loss yeah but yeah it's it's hard it's and the more you think about it the more upsetting it is like it's upsetting to talk about right now but i may have never thought about it again in my life when do you think pregnancy became real for you was it when the kid popped out or when you felt a kick when you saw my belly get bigger when you know it's happening when you know that we're past the point of no return and then you're really knowing it has to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Pregnancy is nuts. And you know what? Like looking back on it, I romanticize it in my brain every single day. And then I have to remind myself, I'm like, no, Alex, you hated being pregnant. It was so hard for you. Never again, never again, never again. Um, next question. There's been a lot of posts about make Instagram, Instagram again. Do you prefer the old Instagram? So this person is saying prior to reels, prior to photo. Like I was talking to Shane about this today. Prior to photos being made to be like an inferior kind of Instagram post. And honestly, as a consumer, I don't really care. Like I don't really care. I hate, you know, the one thing I hate seeing is I hate the part where I'm like seeing suggested posts every two photos or every, you know, two things when I slide. Because like not even people that I'm following. It's like not even people that I'm following make reels. So that's annoying. But like on my personal account, I don't entirely notice it because I don't follow many influencers at all. And all my friends only post photos. Like nobody's posting reels. So I don't get it. But as a creator, I freaking hate it. All I see are funny reels. I forgot that photos even are on Instagram, but I like it just because I'm going to flip, flip, flip. Yeah. My attention span's gone. (laughs) My brain cells aren't existing anymore, but I'm having fun with it. I don't care. I try not to, like, 
I can't get mad at social media. If social media blew up tomorrow, it might be a good thing. So let's maybe the lack of seeing our friends will actually make, I don't know, high school reunions come back because then people won't see each other online anymore. Maybe people will meet for coffee and, you know, get COVID more or something. (laughs) I don't I don't know. But I just think when you start caring and complaining about social media too much, it's just could be a sign that social media is too big part of your too big of a part of your life. And maybe that's not a good thing. Yeah. No, it gets tricky. Well, it gets tricky now, too, because so many people have careers dependent solely on social media. But you have to change with it and you're always going to have to change in the second. Look at Vine. Yeah. It's anything, though. Everything's always changing. And the people who can adapt are going to be successful. And the people who can are going to complain until like people hated the printing press. (laughs) <laughs> on radio when it came out yeah when television came out they were like oh you could listen to the baseball game that's when families were sitting around together every new medium gets a huge complaint about it until it's just the the internet people thought the internet was this it's just everything 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 look that being said i'm never getting into the freaking metaverse i'm going to rebel against that that's the only thing i'm saying no you to, okay? hate virtual reality yes i do I hate it. I You're hate so it. scared. You look at it as competition. No, I look at it as just another way people get lost into like it's like an, an extension and a huge, way huger version of social media. You think if the metaverse happened, I would get a girlfriend in the metaverse. Admit it. <laughs> that's your only concern. Okay, that's a fear, obviously, because I'm irrational and whatever. But I do think that's going to be a problem. I think that people are going to cheat on their par- partners in the metaverse. And there's like crazy, like you can do virtual reality porn and stuff like that. And it's like, that's all crossing lines in my book. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I think all that stuff is kind of weird and i don't like it and it's very dystopian anyway next question men can take viagra is there an alternative for women to get turned on and there are there's actually two alternatives have you ever heard of these things shane firefighter calendars (laughs) what that would be like the 2002 version. Okay. What is it? Just tell so me. So there's two things. One is called, uh, per, pardon the pronunciation, flibenserin. And the other one is bremelanotide. Bremelanotide. Okay. So the flibenserin is a pill and you take that every night. And then the other one, the bremelanotide is a shot you have to give yourself in the thigh once a month. And what they do is they send signals to your neurotransmitters to make you feel more aroused. Like whereas Viagra actually fixes like a plumbing issue, as one would say, because a man is aroused emotionally, but he can't get his dick hard. I'm emotionally aroused, (laughs) but I can't get my dick hard. Well, that's what it is, right? You're feeling aroused in your brain and you want to have sex, but the penis cannot stay hard enough or for a long enough time or can't get fully hard to actually have sex or masturbate or whatever. And it's like a really wild thing because mentally you're there. But with women, um, the Viagra pills that are meant for women is not an issue necessarily with that. And there could be vaginal dryness or whatever because of menopause, breastfeeding, pregnancy. But, you know, you can fix that with lube. However, this is for like people who are hypoactive, which is like you're not, 
you're hypoactive, hyposexual, where it's like you're just like not feeling sexual at all. So these pills just make your brain feel frisky. Yeah, I, guess. I don't know. I, uh, the Viagra, I like the functionality of it better. Well, that was that would be the only one that would, would be able to work for you. No, I mean in terms of you could still be flattered if I took Viagra. However, if you're all hyposexual, it's going to feel like, oh, she's not even attracted to me. She's attracted to the drug. And, and that is where it gets so difficult for women too because then it's like it's not even them. They could be attracted to their partner. They just – their brain has a hard time because of chemical imbalances, hormonal, whatever – getting to the state where they want to have sex even if they want to they just can't mentally get there and it's really hard right and it causes a lot of issues in relationships so that's why they they suggest therapy and things but the crappy thing is the viagra pills for women let's call them they don't even work well so i was reading one study and it said that 10 percent of the women in the study reported a big change only 10%. So it's like, if you're in that 10%, that's great. But then for the other 90% of you, nothing's changing. So I don't think anything's going to change, obviously. You guys know if you're a female that women's health is like so understudied and it's tricky. But moving on to the next question. Why are dad bods socially acceptable, but mom bods aren't? And we're the ones who gave birth. Shane, you want to take it? How are they? Uh, I don't know. Are mom bod like what? Define socially acceptable, I guess. Like nobody's asking the guy with the dad bod to change, and they're finding reasons that he's cute or still attractive. But a woman with a comparable body, nobody, no men are sitting there being like, "Oh yeah, she's like so cute," and blah blah blah. It's there's you look at it differently, and you think. The woman is being looked at as like, oh, she needs to lose a few. Whereas the man's thinking like, oh, I like him with a little pudge. You know what I mean? The woman's thinking I like him with a little pudge. Okay. Is that what women are thinking? No, I, I think that's like the societal, the general society's view on men who don't have like, you know, what is considered the gold standard bod versus women. Here. Are all of your friends attracted to dad bod? A lot of them are, I think. Maybe like not even attracted to them. Like if they were like to design the perfect man in their head, maybe some of them would, but not all of them. But that it's like, I think. Because like I'm thinking of it and I'm thinking of a lot of people I know. It's they don't care about that. I don't, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I, I know societal things, but it's like a lot of my friends aren't like that it's hard it's hard for me because i'm surrounded by a lot of people who aren't thinking that well i think like the best way to look at it is in terms of celebrities so it's like you see like who's the guy that plays the cop on hopper on uh, stranger things because he just lost a lot of weight for this season that he's in now mm -hmm. and i see stuff online it's like oh he looked better when he was heavier blah 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 but then when a woman gains weight like beyonce just put out a new album renaissance and she just released a new collection with Ivy Park, right? And she, in that Ivy Park shoot, she's like looking awesome. But then all the comments underneath are like, oh, she's looking her age. And she put on some weight too. And it's like, she's 40 and she looks like she's 40. She's had three kids and she looks at you. And it's just a different dialogue. And it's like freaking Beyonce. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's, 
I think the best way to look at it is with celebrities because I think that on a very personal level, nobody's looking at their friends or their spouse and thinking that. Yeah, the whole thing is messed. It all goes down to social media, though, too. It's Absolutely. all messed. In patriarchy. Yeah, sure. But it's all the people feeling emboldened online to say things and get away with it. Yeah. Like every little thought in their mind, they're getting away with saying. So, yeah, why is it? I don't know. It's, it's so since we're little, it's like, oh, women are going to like you if you're funny. That's what you're told as a young mm. boy. And the women, it's like you're told they're like you if you're pretty. Like, look at Barbie, right? Yeah. Mind you, Ken is ripped too. Like, let's not <laughs> kid ourselves. But it's just the thing to when you're young that that I was told is to be funny, you know, or, or be good at sports. Mm-hmm. And my it felt like my sister and her friends was all be pretty. So I don't know. That's yeah. it feels like it starts at the childhood. Oh, it does. Absolutely, it does. So I think that's the answer. If if at childhood you were both told to be funny or if boys were told you got to be handsome or you're never going to find a woman, that might be a lot of male obsessions. Because mm-hmm. I think ultimately all we want is to have partners and be happy with our partners. Mm-hmm. So no, exactly. everything boils down to doing whatever we can to end up in a relationship and have children to populate the earth. And a lot of people were told either to be funny, be good at sports, or be pretty. Mm-hmm. And most men were, weren't told to be handsome. Yeah. Because there's ways around it. You can be rich or you can be hilarious. Yeah. The big thing. Yeah. Get a good job. That's how you're going to, you got to provide for your family. And it just feels like women, it wasn't like provide for your family, be good at basketball, mm-hmm. be funny. Well, and that's such an old way of thinking, right? But it's like, that's how your generation, my generation, that's how we were raised with like remnants of that, even though our parents weren't like the ones you know, really instilling that. It was the grandparents who instilled it in our parents. So there were remnants of it. And now I find that with everybody we know that's raising kids, everybody is trying to kind of tackle that like so head on for the Mm -hmm. most part. All of our friends are. Everybody's trying to tackle that. So I'm hoping that there is a big shift there, but it's going to take generations and generations to not think that if we ever get past that at all. The social media algorithm really favors people with like odd body abnormalities. Like, if you're very low body fat, if you're a man who's mm-hmm. ripped with like a 12 pack, the odds that you're going to get likes and views are way up. And it's like that with women, it's like tenfold with women. Mm-hmm. You can start on OnlyFans and never have to worry about money again. If you yeah. have a certain look to you that's considered rare or hot or desirable. Yeah. it's and, and it's just so rewarded on Instagram. So how could you not every – all kids it seems like they want to be social media influencers are very popular validated and for women it's like if you look at this certain way that's considered hot it's like you're valued way more and the men make less that way but if you're like a comedy influencer you can you, you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no of course of course that lily pons though is one of the most popular and she's a, a right obviously a woman influencer but I, I think it all Medium. boils down to the fact that it's like, look, the average person, they don't care. Like you said, Shane, it's like they just want to find somebody that they're comfortable with and happy with and have like a fulfilling life with. That's what everything's rooted in. Yeah. It's like, you know, drug use. What's that rooted mm-hmm. in? You want to feel good. And yeah. you're looked at as a bad person if you're a drug addict or something. Mm-hmm. It's like it all started because you just wanted to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. 
This got heavy and, and serious. And no, it's not that heavy. No, but I, I think it could Just saying people want to feel good. They want to connect. They yeah. want to have a partner. They want to have a good life. They yeah. want to no, have, abs- have fun. That's what really we're all here for, right? To have fun. Absolutely. And I think that things like social media can make you lose sight of that. Like I was thinking about comparison today. Like I was comparing myself to like a hot 23-year-old mom because I thought I'm just like, oh, here's another mom. She's insanely beautiful. She's got her life together. She seems not to have too much going on. It's like, oh, she's 23 and like yeah. chilling. Well, <laughs> and she she has a video that she started her account, her Instagram account yeah. at least in the last month or so. And she did a hair video where she put her hair up in a nice do. It took 10 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. in in the edit. And it got 18 million views or something. And I bought all her products. And you bought all of her products. But it's if that woman isn't outrageously beautiful, that doesn't work. And then it means, oh, and then every woman buys the products because they think, oh, it's her hair that made her that Mm -hmm. beautiful. Meanwhile, it's this anomalous bone structure and this body type that she was just hit some genetic lottery and then everyone's striving to look like her yep and it's all proliferated across the internet with millions and millions of views and then it's like that's that's the gold standard to Mm -hmm. to be so that's it's weird that the double standard exists and it's good to say the patriarchy but everything's feeding itself too like i don't is it the matriarchy is like i i feel like women aren't stopping it either either but they're part of a machine that can't be stopped well like i I don't want to get into it like into too much depth but women are a part of it because women are and have been for centuries oppressed by the patriarchy right so our values are patriarchal values women's values Mm -hmm. in general are patriarchal values right but it is it's so it's so hard and Basically, when it comes down to it, be yourself. Have that mom bod, that dad bod. Be have have a toned aesthetic if that's what you want. Like, do what you want. Comparison is the thief of joy, and just I got to get myself out of that mindset a lot of the time, especially when I scroll through social media. And I think that's something like so many people need to work on constantly. And I say with that, like gung ho attitude towards. Uh, social media and how we view ourselves and view other people. I said we call it there, Shane. Yeah, let's call it. I'm very tired. Thanks so much for listening to (laughs) This this Family Family Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 138.